Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 363, and today we are talking about books being released on May 24th, 2022, and more. I'm Danica Ellis, here with Patricia LZ Tuttle, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, Patricia. Hey, Danica. It's kind of great to be recording with you today. Although although I'm recording with you today, it's my usual day. Uh, Liberty isn't feeling well. Yeah. And so thank you for stepping in, sending all the warm fuzzies to our friend. Yeah. Liberty has lost her voice, which is, as we all know, the only way that she wouldn't be talking about books is because she is physically not capable of doing it right now. (laughs) So... (laughs) I am stepping in. I haven't read these books, but they look good. I've done some research, read some reviews, so we're gonna we're gonna figure it out. But yeah, hope and liberty feels better soon. Yeah, definitely. How are you doing, Patricia? You know, I was feeling a bit under the weather, um, but what has helped me is lately I have been cat sitting for one of my very good friends who is on vacation. And so I've been going over to his house and kind of like working out of his house during the day because the cat apparently she won't eat if she gets lonely. (laughs) So... (laughs) So, like, I'll sit there, I'll have five hours of meetings, and she'll just lay next to me for five hours, and then, like, go eat some. So, it's more care than I anticipated, but it's also been really great lately, because I have no pets of my own. Mm -hmm. It's just been really great to be, like, focused in having a care task Mm -hmm. outside of myself. Yeah, that's so sweet. I miss having a cat around. I have two dogs, but our landlord is like very against us having cat. I really want to get a foster cat, but they were like, you can have a third dog, but you can't have a cat. Wow. Wow. I mean, thinking about that, but. (laughs) How are you doing? We're on the same coast, right? Yeah, I'm West Coast. Are you West Coast? Yeah, I'm I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. Oh, nice. I am in the San Francisco of Canada. (laughs) Vancouver Island. I'm I'm claiming. (laughs) Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing well. Speaking of pets, my poor dog, Debbie, she is the sweetest dog in the world. We were walking her yesterday and a dog who is also off leash came up and kind of like there was a little cursed snuffle and I thought we thought she was just getting like a warning from this other dog but we have since found out that she actually got like a little bit of a bite and her face is all swollen up on one side which is really sad and yeah so we've got a vet appointment 
uh, scheduled for tomorrow. But she is, man, she is looking pathetic right now. Poor little thing. She's like very skinny. So having one one side of her face all swollen just looks ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. She looks like those dogs that are stung by bees where they just swell up. Oh my gosh. On one side. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I do want to switch gears a little and tell listeners because I'm not uh, doing backlist currently. But for those of you who used to listen to me on backlist, it is cherry season um, where I am. And so I'm going on my annual cherry picking this weekend. And it's this time of year where I go like pick cherries and strawberries and blackberries and just like gorge myself on fruit. For like as long as it's in season. And then also for those following along, I got my bean subscription from Rancho Gordo today and I'm drowning. I have like 20 pounds of dried beans sitting oh my God. in my cup. I'm drowning in beans. I'm like some weird bean hoarder. Um, <laughs> but I haven't been feeling well. So I haven't been cooking because they're kind of labor right. intensive. Mm-hmm. And so like... There's just, like, fruit and beans, like, all over our apartment. And I'm actually pretty excited about it. Yeah. That is so funny. A bean subscription. I'm not uh, reliable enough with cooking to commit to something like that. But it sounds fun. I'm not either, but clearly it hasn't stopped me. (laughs) It is so nice, though, when it gets to be, like, the cherry season and anytime you can have like fruit that is still warm from the sun it's just such a nice experience there's something unique about like the actual picking fruit in the sun totally yeah so and it's an outdoor activity that we like feel safe doing right um Because, of course, there's still a pandemic, but, you know, we'll go, we'll pick cherries. Although tonight, after we record, I am going to use up, hopefully, the last of the cherries from last year and make, like, two gallons of cherry ice cream. Um, So I have a big night ahead of me. Yeah, that's (laughs) exciting. It's all beans and cherries. Beans and cherries, yeah, I don't know, but. Well, that sounds delightful. Before we get into the actual podcast, I do want to remind listeners about our listener survey. We do this every few years. So if you haven't already, come take a few minutes to let us know what sort of podcast content you like, what you want to have more of or less of from us. If you go to bookriot.com slash listener survey, you can fill out the survey and you will be entered to win a $50 gift card to the indie bookstore of your choice. And that is bookriot.com slash listener survey. And then we're going to take a moment for our first sponsor and then we will get into the books. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Taming Seven is an epic and unforgettable love story in the international best-selling and TikTok phenomenon, The Boys of Tommen series from Chloe Walsh. So Tommen's cheekiest lad, Jared Gibsy Gibson, has always been a comedian, but inside he is haunted by events of the past and he uses humor to cope, hiding his true self from the world. Then you have Claire Biggs, who is the epitome of sunshine. She's always loved Gibsy, her brother's friend and her favorite neighbor. She also has always seen a side to him that no one else seems to notice, and she becomes determined to tame her wild at heart childhood best friend. 
So The Boys of Tommen series is an internationally best-selling YA romance series that has taken TikTok by storm. It's perfect for readers looking for new adult slash crossover romance, dual point of views, friends to lovers, marathon worthy TikTok books, and angsty tearjerkers. Taming Seven is published today and it's the fifth book in the series. So make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Underlined. Haven't read a Natasha Preston thriller yet? We dare you to try. She's known for her line of chilling young adult suspense novels like The Cellar and The Fear. The New York Times and USA Today bestselling author excels at putting fear into the hearts of her readers. So her newest book titled The Dare is about five friends whose senior prank goes very, very wrong. This is a perfect graduation season read for thriller fans who can handle a good scare. The Dare is now available wherever books are sold. You can learn more about it at getunderlined.com. So again, this young adult thriller is about five friends with a prank that goes wrong. There are dark secrets, a twisty plot, and creepy I know what you did last summer vibes. So if you, you know, it's graduation season, you want to revel in that, but like make it scary. You know what I mean? Pick up The Dare by Natasha Preston. And thanks again to Underline for sponsoring this episode. All right. So the first book that I am excited about, this is usually where we would talk about books we have read, but unfortunately, I haven't read these ones yet, but I'm very excited about them. So the first one is All the Things We Don't Talk About by Amy Feltman. So the other day I was writing the Our Queer Shelves newsletter, which is Book Riot's LGBTQ books newsletter, by the way. And I was talking about how I've seen more books lately and read more books lately that are about queer families, by which I mean multiple generations of queer people in the same family. And as we're seeing more queer books get published, I love seeing the different kinds of representation that finally are starting to get mainstream attention. And this is just one thing that I've noticed lately, books where it's not just the kids or the parents who are queer, but both. And I am so glad to see it because for one thing, it makes sense. Queerness is at least somewhat heritable. So it makes sense that some queer parents are going to have queer kids. But also, so often when you're queer, you have to find community outside of your family, and your family can even be hostile to your identity. So when you're growing up, it can be really confusing and alienating to feel like there's this huge difference between you and your family, and especially when you're not really sure what it is yet, because people don't always talk about that. And that's all to say that I am really excited to see more books about queer families coming out. And this one, which is a book about multiple generations of a queer family, jumped out at me because I was just looking for these and just talking about it. So All the Things We Don't Talk About is a story about a family with a queer mother, a neurodivergent dad, and a non-binary kid. Even though this isn't maybe the supportive queer family modeling how to understand your identity that I was talking about before. We'll get into that. So Morgan's mom, Zoe, left when Morgan was a baby, and they have been raised by their dad, Julian. 
So now they are 17, they're exploring their gender identity, and just starting to tiptoe into a first relationship. They're also feeling a little bit distant from their dad, because there was a scare about a possible school shooting at their school that really affected them. But Julian is having trouble communicating with Morgan about their reaction to it. And that's part of what spurs Morgan to reach out to someone online looking for someone to talk to. And eventually this online relationship becomes really important to them. And they really open up to this person in a way that is maybe not safe, maybe not healthy. Meanwhile, though, Zoe has just broken up with her long-term partner, Bridget, and Zoe has decided to take this moment to just crash back into Morgan and Julian's life. And despite Julian's warnings, Morgan can't help but be pulled into her orbit. She promises excitement and adventure, and of course, it's really exciting for Morgan to get to know her because she left when Morgan was really young and they didn't really have a relationship, so Morgan is excited about the possibility of getting to know her, but also all of the things that she is promising to provide and having this life that is full of adventure. So meanwhile, Julian is scared for Morgan because he knows that Zoe isn't really a good influence and that this probably isn't going to end well because she is not reliable. But he also doesn't want to deny Morgan a chance to have any kind of relationship with her. And Julian finds unexpected support from Bridget, so from Zoe's ex, and they become pen pals. They kind of have a lot in common because they both know what it's like to love Zoe and also what it's like to be hurt and betrayed by her. They are both worried about Morgan, and it turns out that Bridget might have a better chance at getting through to them. So this is a coming-of-age story about a non-binary teen discovering their gender identity, but it's also about complicated families and the tangled web of relationships that surround us. A lot of the reviews mention the multifaceted relationship between Julian and Morgan. Julian loves them and wants to protect them, but Morgan often feels like they have to take care of and protect Julian. And they've lived in a careful balance for many years until the hurricane of Zoe's return shatters it. Personally, I love reading about messy, complicated families. There can be so many layers of nuances to these relationships that have been built on years of interactions, which is such a rich source of conflict in a story, where friendships and romantic relationships often end during difficult times. It can be harder to sever those family relationships, so you have all of these interactions that have a lot more history and a lot more conflict and still continue in some way. My favorite aspect of fiction is reading about relationships between characters. So of course, messy family stories with their years of simmering tensions and resentments appeal to me. So if you want to check out this messy queer family story, that's All the Things We Don't Talk About by Amy Feltman. Let's see, for my first pick, so I did read this book. I read the heck out of this book. <laughs> it is You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty by Ikweke Emezi. Oh, 
wow, this book. It is a queer romance and like nothing I have ever read. It is high intensity, like high, high intensity from start to finish. I want to give some firm content warnings up front for death of a spouse, suicidal ideation, violence against women, and death of a child. There are readers out there who, especially after hearing those content warnings, are hesitant to call this book a romance, but I think it definitely is. It's gritty and it's real and it's ugly sometimes, but it also has some very important hallmarks of what makes a romance a romance. Our heroine is Faye Adekola. Five years before the start of this story, there was an awful accident that killed Faye's husband. They hadn't been married long, and he was her everything. She has been deep in grief, and it shows in her art. She's an artist. She and her best friend, Joy, live in New York. And at the start of the story, Faye decides that she is ready to have sex again. Not for feelings, not for a deep romance, but she is ready to allow someone to give her physical pleasure. She hooks up with a guy at a rooftop party and they have sex in the bathroom. They date for a while, but it doesn't get very serious. She's distracted. He's distracted. They part amicably and Faye meets someone else, one of this guy's friends, actually, named Nasir. Nasir is perfect. He doesn't rush her. He agrees to be friends, though he clearly wants more. He is patient and adoring, and they grow a beautiful friendship. Nasir is from Jamaica, and he gets her a spot in an art show at the National Museum with a curator that Faye only dreamed about working with. He takes her to Jamaica on this luxurious, amazing trip, and they stay with his father, who is ridiculously rich. The father is a man named Alan Blake, a celebrity chef with two Michelin stars, which, like, I'm not an awards person, but, like, (laughs) the one award I care about is a Michelin star. So Alam has this gorgeous home built up on the mountain, and Faye is both starstruck and awestruck at the amount of luxury. But also, on top of this, she's putting everything in jeopardy, because the minute she spotted Alam picking them up at the airport, she knew there would be trouble, because he is beautiful. He is radiant in a way that makes everything and everyone want to orbit around him. She's going to be in Jamaica for many weeks, in this beautiful, intriguing person's home, trying desperately not to ruin everything she's trying to build with Nasir, because she is absolutely smitten with his father. Aside from consistent, high-intensity lust, grief is always, always present in this book in some way. Even in the chapters full of lust or love or beauty, grief is always just right there. The author of this book, of course, is brilliant to juxtapose these very high highs with the absolutely heart-shattering lows, and it makes the love even more beautiful. It makes the sex sexier and the sadness almost unbearable. By the end of this book, I was rooting for so many of the characters to find love and healing and life in ways they had not been able to for a long time. I loved this book 
so much. Like I said, it's not like I've read anything before like it. It's truly phenomenal. It's You Made a Full of Death with Your Beauty by Akweke Amezi. I have heard so many amazing things about Akweke Amezi and somehow have not read any of their books yet, which obviously <sighs> I have to fix. <laughs> <laughs> I know coming up on my TBR soon is Bitter, which is their prequel mm. to Pet, which they wrote. Their writing is just, I'm like, is there nothing they cannot do? They're just phenomenal. Yeah, it seems like they write some like a completely different genre every time, which yeah. I always find fascinating. And one of the books they wrote was horror. And I'm going to talk about horror. There you go. That's my <laughs> transition. <laughs> so the next book I want to talk about is also a queer book because, I mean, this is because. this episode. It's <laughs> because you know who we are, listeners, <laughs> right? Like you put us together. Uh, that's what you're going to get. <laughs> Amplifies just rainbows everywhere. Exactly. I was a dangerous. It's <laughs> 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 great. We're just warming up for pride with this episode. So this one is called Primal Animals by Julia Lynn Rubin. So this is being pitched as a queer version of Wicker Man. So do that as you will. Arlie is spending her summer at Camp Rockaway for college prep on her mother's insistence. It's supposed to be a fresh start, but Arlie feels completely alienated. She has entomophobia, which is a debilitating fear of bugs, which is particularly difficult to handle at summer camp. Arlie also has hallucinations, so it's hard for her to tell if she really is the odd one out or is misreading the situation. She feels like every time she enters a room, everyone stops talking and looks at her. It doesn't help that this elite college prep is mostly made up of rich and judgmental campers. She does start to make a few friends. She has a crush on a girl in her cabin, but that's kind of the only upside at this point. Then she is chosen to join a secret society, and she is so excited for the chance to make friends and actually fit in. But it turns out that this group is a lot darker than that, and soon she realizes that it's not just her who's in danger. Just as she's starting to make friends with the other girls in her cabin, she might be putting them all at risk. She is also realizing that her mother's reputation precedes her, which may explain all of the whispers. This reminds me of A Lesson in Vengeance by Victoria Lee, which is another sapphic YA horror with a main character who hallucinates. And like that one, this seems to have a slow-building, creepy atmosphere that culminates in true horror. I also love the idea of horror set at summer camp. It's such an evocative location. And obviously, there's a reason that there are so many teen horror movies set there. For one thing, you're usually in the woods, which is probably the original horror story setting back in just folk tales onwards. But also that time at summer camp is such an ephemeral time of life. As a kid or teenager, you can form these relationships that feel really important at the time and then just dissolve as soon as camp is over. I always felt like it existed in a kind of bubble. It never felt real when it was done. So weaving that in with creepy insects and a narrator who can't trust her own senses, and then you add in secret societies and discovering 
find family skeletons in the closet. It sounds like a great recipe for a horror story. Also, this cover is gorgeous and unnerving, so I recommend you take a look at it. I will say that based on the reviews, this seems to be a divisive book, especially the ending. And sometimes those are my favorite books to read just to see where I fall on that spectrum. I do want to give content warnings for gore and discussion of rape. And that is Primal Animals by Julia Lynn Rubin. For my next pick, I have another romance. It is A Lady for a Duke by Alexis Hall. This romance is really different from the one I just shared, and I also absolutely loved it. It is a historical Regency romance for those of us who want historical Regency romances that are more queer but still gothic with a brooding man and a sassy sunshine woman. Our heroine is Viola Carroll, a transgender woman. I want to note up front that some characters who knew Viola before her transition refer to her dead name specifically her surname in keeping with the period, and they use he, him, his pronouns in talking about her in the past. Also, our hero, Grace Wood, is disabled and has PTSD and uses some ableist language for himself. Few more contents warnings for substance abuse, suicidal ideation, child abuse, and violence. And yes, it's a romance, again. So, two best friends, both dukes, join the military, and go to battle for king and country. These dukes are Lord Gracewood and his best friend. Lord Gracewood returns home alone, believing that his best friend died at the Battle of Waterloo. The best friend allowed Gracewood to believe her dead and seized the opportunity to live as her authentic self, as Viola Carroll. She was able to return home to her brother, Lord Marley, who is now the duke, and her sister-in-law, Lady Marley, and confide in them. She now lives with them as Lady Louise Marley's paid companion, all manner of titles and honor sacrificed so that she may live as she truly is. As our story begins, Lady Marley has received a letter from Lady Miranda, Lord Gracewood's 16-year-old sister. It has been over two years since the Battle of Waterloo. Gracewood is deep in his grief over his lost friend that he believes that he just left there, and he's deep in his substance abuse and brooding. He's let much of the house staff go, and Lady Miranda is pretty much left to her own devices. She is 16, and she should be having a season in London, but Gracewood is basically just lost to everyone. So, Lady Marley insists that she and Viola must show up at their home and convince Gracewood that Lady Miranda should have a season in London. But Viola hasn't seen Gracewood since Waterloo. He believes her to be a dead man, and she is very much not. Viola does not want to confront him at all. She feels guilt, but not regret. Never regret, and I love that. Louise has a way of getting everything she wants and so convinces Viola to accompany her to Morgan Call to rescue Lady Miranda and check on Lord Gracewood. Gracewood is a freaking mess, y'all. He's been neglecting not only himself and his sister, but all his duties, the villagers, everything. Viola comforts him and his grief makes it even harder for her to tell him the truth. 
This book is not hundreds of pages of Gracewood not knowing who Viola was, and then he finds out at the end, and they're both in love, and blah, blah, blah. To me, that sounds very, very boring and basic, and this book is very much not that. He learns who Viola was a lot earlier than I expected, and I'm not spoiling anything for you because there is so much book after that, and it's a wild ride, and it took me to so many unexpected places, and I loved it immensely. There is definitely sex on the page, and the romance is intense, and again, I was rooting for our two main characters to get it together on every page. Most of all, it was really, really fun. I laughed a lot, and it is a super enjoyable read. A great listen, too, if you listen to audiobooks. It's A Lady for a Duke by Alexis Hall. As soon as I saw that premise, I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, well, and I was really worried that it was going to be like 14 hours of audiobook of like, oh, no, I cannot tell him who, who I used to be or whatever. And and it's not that at all, because like I said, like, that sounds really boring. Yeah. And the, the book is, my wife is listening to it right now, and I just <laughs> hear her giggling every once in a while, and I'm like, what happened? What'd you read? Like, what, what was going on? So it's great. That is amazing. Okay, so now we're going to move into the books that, well, more books for me that I haven't read, but I am excited about. <laughs> And the first book in this section I have is City of Orange by David Yoon. So the first thing I have to tell you is that Liberty was going to recommend this book today. It was in her notes. It was one of the ones she was going to talk about. I don't have her notes, so I don't know what she was going to say. But just imagine her telling you about how great it is. I, unfortunately, have not read it yet. But it seems like the kind of book you should go into not knowing a ton about. So I'm going to keep this one short. It follows a man who wakes up in a post-apocalyptic world, having forgotten his own name. He spends his days looking for food and water, grieving a life he has trouble remembering. He knows he had a wife and a son who have died, and he is struggling to come to terms with that. Any attempts he makes to explore or improve his situation only remind him of how dangerous and hostile the world is, so he retreats to his shelter whenever possible. Eventually, he encounters a boy who seems to speak in riddles, who helps him decide what to do next. This is supposed to be a character study in the style of Castaway, at least for the first half. It's also being compared to The Martian in that they're both isolated survival stories where you spend a lot of time in one person's head. This is an exploration of grief. It is a kind of slow-moving philosophical book, it looks like, but it also sounds like a really powerful and interesting read. And again, I would recommend that you probably don't look too deeply at reviews if it sounds interesting to you and just jump right in because it is kind of that philosophical, thought-provoking story. So I think you lose a little bit of the magic if you are getting too many details before you just dive into it. So if you enjoy beautifully written character-based stories with vivid imagery, add this one to your list. And that is City of Orange by David Yoon. I have... 
I have black nerd problems. Um, the book is titled <laughs> Black Nerd Problems by William Evans and Omar Holman. This book is out in paperback today. I have not read it yet, but it's been sitting on my shelf for like a year now. In 2013, William Evans and Omar Holman gave us the Black Nerd Problems website, which gave us memes and Game of Thrones recaps and all kinds of nerdy fandom stuff from a Black Nerd perspective. I can say from experience that being a Black Nerd, aka Blurred, has gotten easier over the years, but there is always racism in fandoms and primarily white spaces, and Black Nerd Problems has provided a respite from those spaces and offers a community where we can just be ourselves. This book is a collection of essays, but it starts with an exploration of the question, what is a nerd? Well, as they write, a nerd isn't a person, it's a spectrum, and how nerds are defined and viewed has evolved over time. The titles of the short essays that make up this book are amazing, and I just want to read a few of them to you. So one is, it's time we stop pretending that Simba wasn't garbage in The Lion King. There's also Raising the Avatar, no one woman of color should have all them haters. Another is Green Lantern comics have low-key been tackling police accountability for a minute. And then one I did read, which I enjoy, is For Dark Girls Who Never Get Asked to Play Storm. Another one which I think a lot of people can relate to is Mario Kart Reveals Who You Truly Are. And this one I feel with my whole chest. It's an open letter to the Starks. Y'all should have taken better care of your dire wolves. And I want to add one more. The push and pull of watching Mad Men while Black, which I think I got through maybe like one to two seasons of Mad Men. And it's just very conflicting for me. Yes, there are some really deep cuts in this book, and they touch on so many fandoms. I am super excited. It's out in paperback today. It's Black Nerd Problems by William Evans and Omar Holman. Okay, and before we get into our last books we're going to talk about, we're going to take a moment for our next sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so the next book I have to talk about is very surprising to everyone, a queer book, and it is, (laughs) that's what I'm here for, that's what we're both here for. (laughs) Basically, yeah. Yeah. So it's called Only on the Weekends by Dean Atta. This is the second YA book from the author of The Black Flamingo, which is a beloved queer YA novel. This is a story in free verse that follows Mac, who can't believe that his crush, Kareem, returns his feelings. His father works on movie sets, so he's always been a romantic, imagining his own meet-cute and fairy tale romance. There's just one problem, though. Now that the two of them are together, Mac's dad's job has taken him and his dad to Scotland. 
So, okay, also maybe there are two problems because Kareem is still closeted, so their relationship is secret. And it turns out that the long distance thing is hard, especially when Kareem doesn't seem big on communication. And then Mac meets Finley, who is a transmasculine actor who he immediately hits it off with. Finn's confidence and ease inspires him, and he soon finds himself caught in a love triangle. This is a story that isn't afraid to get into the messy, emotional complexities of the situation. It doesn't excuse Mac's actions, but we also understand his and Kareem's motivations for what they do, even the mistakes. If you like flawed teen characters who are figuring themselves out in your YA reads, definitely check this one out. I always find it interesting when people critique a book for having a flawed main character, because I love reading about flawed main characters. And also, we all have flaws, we make mistakes. And then second of all, it would be pretty hard to write a plot where everyone involved does the right things all the time. But that feels especially silly when it's a YA book. A coming-of-age book is about exploring and trying and making mistakes, and it's pretty hard to grow without ever doing anything wrong, especially when that something wrong is like flirting with someone else when you have a long-distance relationship and you are 16. I feel like the bar is a little high if that's a breaking point, but that's that's my rant. I've said it before. I love flawed man characters and complicated relationships. I love when and two characters are in conflict and you can empathize with both of them and their actions make sense even if they're hurting each other. I think that's the interesting meaty part of being in community with other people. So if you like YA novels in verse or if you're a fan of Black Flamingo as so many people were or if you just like YA romances with messy and complicated relationships definitely pick this one up and that is Only on the Weekends by Dean Ada. For my last pick of the day, I have How to Grow, Nurture Your Garden, Nurture Yourself by Marcus Bridgewater. This is a new self-help book out today from the personality behind at Garden Marcus on TikTok and Instagram, where he demonstrates that a positive, knowledgeable approach to nurturing plants also helps us grow as people. Yes, I know that as social media has evolved, things that can already be gimmicky, like self-help, have become more so. But honestly, gardening is never gimmicky to me. I love plants. I'm obsessed with garden. Like I told you, I'm going cherry picking tomorrow. And you really, really learn more about caring for yourself by caring for other living things. What I love about Garden Marcus is that he's not super flashy. He seems totally chill. He's not trying to overwhelm me with information or incredible graphics and editing. He seems like a genuinely sweet person, and I find his content very soothing, which is one of the reasons I'm so excited for this book. I also want to note that Marcus Bridgewater is co-founder of Choice Forward, a company that offers life coaching, seminars, and workshops, and he is a content creator for a cognitive behavioral therapy mobile app. This book is divided into three parts, mental health, physical fitness, and spiritual awareness, and they are all very tied deeply to gardening and plants and not only just like the interaction between people and plants, but the similarities. 
Full disclosure, I have not yet read this book, and I am always highly skeptical about physical fitness advice, especially from internet influencers. All that being said, I'm still looking forward to giving this a read. It's How to Grow, Nurture Your Garden, Nurture Yourself by Marcus Bridgewater. I find these kind of books so interesting because I think you're absolutely right that it can be gimmicky or it can be like a really interesting metaphor to dive into and have a lot of resonance. So I will be paying attention to reviews and see what this one is like, but it sounds great. Yeah, it's, I mean, and I think you you pinpoint it, right? You don't know what metaphors are going to reach what people Mm -hmm. and I talk about self-help a lot I write a self-help newsletter and I and not every self-help is for everyone but Mm -hmm. like there's there is something for you know a a lid for every pot right or lid for every Tupperware Mm -hmm. there's um (laughs) so so like hey this might not be for person a but this might totally be for person b and you just kind of have to try out different things and see what what lands Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, we are going to do a quick fire of some paperback releases. So I'm just going to do like a one sentence description for each of these that are all coming out in paperback today. Don't worry, there's also some queer books in here. We we (laughs) don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) No, you were worried. Okay, so the first one is The Maidens by Alex Michaelides. This is a dark academia book that is also a psychological thriller. The second is Made in Korea by Sarah Suk, a YA romance between two teenagers who are running competing Korean beauty businesses at their high school. Morningside Heights by Joshua Henkin. This is a literary fiction novel that is a portrait of a deteriorating marriage after many years together. Bath House, and that's H-A-U-S by P.J. Vernon, a thriller about a man who cheats on his boyfriend at a gay bathhouse only to be blackmailed and threatened by the man he's trying to keep secret. The Echo Wife by Sarah Gailey. This is a domestic thriller, but with clones. Evelyn finds that her husband has replaced her with herself, but a more agreeable, easily controlled version of herself. Then there's Madam by Phoebe Wynn, which is a gothic thriller set at a Scottish boarding school that promises to be Rebecca meets the secret history. Girlhood by Melissa Phoebos, a feminist essay collection about the ways girls are raised to put themselves last and suppress their anger, power, and pleasure. Then there's Imposter Syndrome by Kathy Wang, a satirical espionage thriller about two women's cat and mouse game in the world of big tech. Trouble Girls by Julia Lynn Rubin, which is a queer YA reimagining of Thelma and Louise. Eat a Peach, a memoir by David Chang and Gabe Ula. This is a memoir from the founder of Momofuku and star of Netflix's Ugly Delicious about the things he's learned and mistakes he's made in the cutthroat world of the restaurant industry. Not My Problem by Sierra Smith, and that's Smith with a Y. This is a sapphic YA novel following a dean. After pushing a friend down the stairs to get her out of crushing extracurricular obligations, a dean accidentally finds herself becoming the school fixer, and hijinks ensue. 
And then finally, this one is a hardcover release that we both kind of realized too late is out today to include it in our main picks. But it's called Just Your Local Bisexual Disaster by Andrea Mosquita. And if that title doesn't convince you, I don't know what else to say. But this is a debut YA novel where Maggie Gonzalez has to choose between three possible dates, her best friend, her ex-boyfriend, and the new girl in town to take to her sister's quinceanera. And that is all of the new books that we have to talk about today. And what are you going to read next, Patricia? So let's see. I am. I'm currently finishing *A Mirror Mended*, which is a sequel to *A Spindle Splintered* by Alex E. Harrow. It's a little novella. I'm also listening to *How to Tell a Story* by the creators of *The Moth*, which it has like multiple authors. So we'll put that in the show notes. But coming up after that. I am going to read Her Majesty's Royal Coven by Juno Dawson. That comes out, uh, does that come out next week? The 31st, maybe? And it is, or does that come out in June? Hmm, we'll have to look. But my wife read my arc already, and she said it's great for folks who have put that other wizarding school in the trash and want something more queer and transfabulous. So that's Her Majesty's Royal Coven by Juno Dawson. And since we have a new federal holiday in the U.S. coming up, I will be reading On Juneteenth by Annette Gordon-Reed, which is a very fast read. It's a very small book, but I feel like it's it's a good time to read it. How about you, Danica? I also have Her Majesty's Royal Coven on my ARC pile, and I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. It looks amazing. I have been like looking forward to this book since just the title (laughs) totally yes all I knew was the title and that it was queer I was like I'm in Um, but the book I am actually about to read is Melt With You by Jennifer Dugan and this is a sapphic YA romance it's from the same author as Hot Dog Girl which I really enjoyed and it is about two teenage girls whose moms own an ice cream truck business together and they were best friends and then they kissed and then through a series of miscommunications apparently they now don't talk to each other at all except that their moms have made them do a tour through different state fairs with their ice cream truck so it's like a sapphic romance ice cream truck road trip it just oh sounds nice. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just the perfect summary. That's like everything I want. Right? <laughs> All right. So that is everything we have for today. I want to give another shout out to our listener survey. So please check that out if you haven't already. That's bookriot.com slash listener survey. And thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our audio editor, Jen Zink. If you want to talk to us about books or anything else, you can drop us a line at allthebooks at bookriot.com. If you want to find us online, which one is your Twitter, Patricia? I'm on everything, everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, my URL at theinfofile.com, as in the lover of information. 
Perfect. And you can find me at Lesbury. That's L-E-S-B-R-A-R-Y. And if you want to give us a treat, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. As much as we would love to tell you more about books out today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as get a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And until next time, happy happy reading. reading.